Well, continuing in Matthew chapter 6 here, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount. We should be done in the next, I don't know, um, month, I think. We're going to be done with the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gave this sermon um, in one sitting, and we're taking a couple months to go through it, but Jesus' words are, are pretty deep and important, so we feel, we feel good about that. Here in chapter 6, uh, he transitions a little bit from where he was before, and certainly in this section of chapter 6, I, I found this really confusing. I, I, I mold over it a while, so if, it's, if you feel a bit confused, it's only because I'm confused, okay? So don't worry, but I felt like this text was a, was a tough one. Here's the sermon summary before we get any further. The sermon summary is this. Life in Christ means our treasure is not here. Life in Christ means our treasure is not here. In other words, it's otherworldly. Our treasure is otherworldly. So when he transitions us here, Jesus does, he, he goes from talking about righteousness to, I think, more of dependence. So remember what he did in chapter 5, which is he showed us you have no righteousness. He gave us the law, showed us how we could not meet it, showing also how he did meet it. He is the righteousness that we need. And then he talked about, hey, because you have this righteousness, let me instruct you a little bit how, how, you, how you live out that righteousness, okay? You don't do it in a way that is in front of others to earn their uh, acclaim and to, to uh, make sure they see it and so that other people think you're super spiritual, you instead live it like this. And he said, here's how you give, here's how you pray, and here's how you fast. He gave us those three examples. Now he transitions a little bit from that, and he starts talking about treasure. And so it's, I want you to, to, to kind of switch your mind a little bit, because I think it, it transitions us a bit. What he said with righteousness was that, hey, your righteousness is not yours, your righteousness is Uh, It's yours, in other words, it's yours because I gave it to you, not because you earned it, I guess. So it is yours, but you didn't do anything to earn it. So don't go off showing it off as if it's, uh, as if you earned it or something. It's otherworldly. It's mine that I am gifting to you. And and same way here with treasure. He's going to say the same thing. And so here's, if I would kind of summarize chapter 6. I would do it with uh, maybe three statements. Something like this. In 1 through 18, he says, Your righteousness has been provided. No need to work for one. You've already got one. There's no need to work for it. In 6, 19 through 24, he says, Your treasure is secure. What we're going to talk about today. Your treasure is secure. So there's no need to build a treasure here. You already have one. It's there. And then what we'll talk about next week, Your provision is secure. So no need to worry. So these are the, the things I think he's talking about here in chapter 6. I want to look at four things that I think Jesus talks about. If our life is located with him in Christ, then what are four things he tells us that is new along with that new life? The first thing is a new location, and then a new treasure, new eyes, and a new king. So let's start with the fact that first we have a new location. Listen to what he says in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth here, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, and there, in other words, over there, up there, out there, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So we're living otherworldly, like we said in, this, in the sermon summary, and if we're living otherworldly, if our life is located somewhere else, 
then it makes sense that he would say something about our treasures as he does. Colossians 3.3, 3, Paul states it very clearly. We've, we've talked about this one before, I think even last week. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So we have a new location. Where is our life now? It looks like my life is here. But Paul says your life is not here. If you have put your faith in Christ, your life is now in Christ. That's where you locate yourself. That's your primary location. You've got a new location, and it's in Christ. Now, theologians have this term called the already not yet, and it it really is helpful, I think. I'm not just saying it to impress you, although you can be impressed with me if you would like. Called the already not yet, which means it's a, it's a way to, to approach things like um, our life in Christ, our righteousness. Are you righteous? Yes, I've been declared righteous in Christ. We've been declared righteous in Christ. So I'm already righteous, but I'm not yet fully righteous the way I'm going to be righteous when Jesus returns. So yes, and more to come. You know what I mean? I'm fully righteous now. We're not limiting that. But the reality of it is not seen. Is, is Jesus' kingdom here? Yeah, he said, I have come to bring the kingdom. He brought his kingdom here. But it's not here, here, like it's going to be here, here when he comes here, if that's clear enough, you know. Uh, so it's already here, but it's also not yet here. There's both aspects of that. Same with our life in Christ. It's, our life is already in Christ. Paul says it so clearly in Colossians 3. You have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Not will be, is but it's also not yet. It's already, but it's also not yet. It will be like we can't see it now. We'll see the full reality of it in the future. It won't change. We're not getting more of it, but we are seeing the full reality of it. It's already, but it's not yet. Our location has changed. Our life is now with Christ. Same with our stuff and possessions. They are otherworldly. If our life is there, then it would make sense that our possessions, and he would talk about our stuff and warn us against living in a way that we only take into account the things here when our life has a new location and our life is not here. Your righteousness, it's otherworldly. So don't try to build it here. He just got done saying that. And now he's saying, hey, your life, it's otherworldly. Your treasure is otherworldly. So don't build treasures here. That doesn't make any sense because your life's not here. It has a new location. Well, it has a new location. Secondly, it has a new treasure, verses 19 and 20. Again, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there also will be all of you in a sense. How do I live this otherworldly? It's, it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because what we're seeing is all of this. And it's easy, as you go through your week, to just live according to all of this. So how do we kind of start to live otherworldly? First of all, I think we realize true resources are there. Where? Are with Christ, the, the bread of life, the living water, all the resources that we need for life are actually there. That's where the location of them are. Now, we have other resources here, but what those resources do is point to the fact 
that we have greater resources in Christ. So all those are is a little placeholder for us until Christ comes back, and then we get to remove those, and we get the real uh, substance of our existence, which is Christ himself. Our resources are but a picture of our true resources there. So when you're putting your resources towards things, don't always think, I should put all of my resources and all of my money towards things here. Why would you do that? You don't even live here. We don't even exist here. We do already, but not yet. But we don't ultimately, right? So all, putting all of our things here, that's, that's an old treasure in the way we used to live when our whole life was here. But we're just pilgrims sort of passing through now. So our treasure isn't here. We've gotten a new treasure, and it's somewhere else, somewhere we haven't seen yet, somewhere where we will be eventually. That doesn't mean, just like with fasting, it's not like Jesus said, hey, you're true, I'm the true bread of life, so reject all food. That's not what he said. But he did say, hey, fast every once in a while so you know the reality of the fact that I'm the bread of life. Same with stuff. He's not saying you shouldn't have anything and should sell all your stuff necessarily. He's saying make sure you understand, though, that that stuff is not your true treasure. We're living by these world's resources, but we should be investing in another world's resources. I'm happy for a house. I'm happy for a car. All those things are fantastic. My heart is... I mean, we just bought a new house, and so a lot of my life right now is taken up by thinking about a new dining room table and what color this should be painted and that. And I'm fully there, and then Jesus, in his unkindness, brings along this stuff for me to think about, you know? Like, couldn't that have waited until I'm done thinking about house and looking up all these things, you know, and my life is consumed with it? No, now. So I get the, the pull, and I know I am convicted by this because I just drift right into thinking all these resources are the best, and I want my house to be the best so I can go there and feel good about myself, and other people come over and be impressed, and blah, 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 blah. So it's a, that was my week, you know? And then you got these screaming kids in here the whole time. Can you imagine? <sighs> we had a good time. Living as our resources are somewhere else. The ones here are, are fine. He's not saying sell everything. He's saying these aren't your ultimate resources. Don't let the symbol, here's what I think you might be saying, don't let the symbol become the reality. The symbol is our stuff here. It's a symbol for something greater, which is our treasure somewhere else. And don't let that symbol become the reality. It's not the reality, it's just a symbol, it's just a placeholder. And so hold it with an open hand. Beware of living by this world's treasure. It's visible, it's immediate, but it's going to burn. It's not lasting. He says, build your life on a treasure instead, on an otherworldly treasure. Yes, it's hidden. Yes, you can't see it. But that's the treasure that we're living for. Now, what would that include? What does it look like? And this is where you're like, Jesus, come on, man, give us some examples. He doesn't give us anything. He just says that and then leaves it like that for us. Like, what does he mean, building a treasure somewhere else? What exactly are you talking about? Can you give us some examples? Maybe. Help us out here. Well, I don't know if um, I have all the answers necessarily, but I do find interesting that he says not 
simply don't lay up treasures on earth and that's it. But then he goes to the positive and says, no, do lay up treasures in heaven. So we can't just say, hey, just don't lay up treasures. That's not what he says. He says we are to lay up treasures, but lay up treasures somewhere else. And so that adds to the confusion as well. What does that look like? I, I, I would love for us all to think and pray for this and, and, and come up with some thoughts. I, I thought of a few things. Just I think it would mean relationships over stuff. That would probably be one, you know. Um, giving over keeping. Whatever is there over stuff that's here, faith over sight and things to build faith, our faith, others' faith, those are the things we would invest in, put our money and time and treasure in. So we're operating by another world, world standards, and what you have to, to, to realize is that doesn't always make sense here, and you're going to be seen as weirdos. You really are. I mean, we're living on something by faith. Of course, we're going to be weirdos. People are like, I, have you ever seen Jesus? No, I have not. And you're staking everything on it? I am. Wow, you're crazy. We're living, we're, we're hoping and putting our faith in this other world. Of course, it doesn't, it's not going to make sense. So we're going to forgive over and over. We're not going to pay back, not require payback. You see how all these things don't make sense to this world's kingdom. But we have a new location. Giving your hard-earned money away? Are you crazy? Not living the lifestyle you could live, you, you could have a better house, you could have a better car, you could have this, and you don't? Why? That doesn't make any sense to me. Sacrificing in the area of money for the betterment of others, forfeiting some of your retirement for a missionary, all the, I, I, whatever the Lord leads us to, it's just, it might be crazy, but we have to think, that does sound crazy. But then again, I don't operate by this world's standards, rules. I'm in a, I actually, my life is in a different location, and I have a different treasure, a new treasure. Here's what Martin Lloyd-Jones says. These earthly treasures are so powerful that they grip the entire personality. They grip a man's heart, his mind, his will, and they tend to affect his spirit his soul, and his whole being. Goodness, that's convicting, isn't it? See, the stuff, we can't act like it doesn't grip us. This treasure will grip us, and it affects our spirit, our soul, our whole being, which is why Jesus would take time in this introductory sermon to his whole ministry to address how we live with our stuff because he knows how it can grip our hearts. Now let's look at verse 21 quickly before moving to new eyes, because I I just, this is a a really amazing verse, and I think we could spend the rest of our lives plummeting its depths. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I guess I was just assuming that he would say something quite different. I was assuming he would say something like, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. But that's not exactly what he says. Where your treasure is, there your heart will. So your heart sort of follows your treasure. You know, in other words, don't, we, we can't act like, yeah, 
I, I, I like live in this world and, and have tons of stuff and, and focus a lot on my stuff and, and all of that, put a lot of my time and energy and money into stuff in this world, but I'm not owned by it. I'm not owned by it at all. And Jesus says, you're a liar because your heart always follows where you go. You, can't, you think you can uh, correct your heart or direct your heart with cognition? He says, you're crazy in this instance. You cannot. Your heart will always tend to that. That's what that, that quote by Lloyd-Jones just said. It's going to grip your heart. You won't be able to stop it. So beware of spending all of our time, money, and things in this world when we have a different location, a different treasure. We think we can tr- control our hearts. Jesus says you won't be able to stop the power of your heart. One of my spiritual mentors always says, uh, the, the horsepower of your heart will always, always just, you know, trash your mind. So if you think your mind's strong enough to instruct your heart and tell it exactly what to do, he says there's no way. You won't be able to. You're already wrapped up in it. Your heart will immediately attach itself to it, no matter what you tell it. Number three, we get uh, new eyes. So we get a new location, we get new treasure, and we get new eyes. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body, So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? That's, again, a weird thing to say right there, isn't it? Very odd. It's like, did somebody take this from somewhere else and cut and paste it accidentally in here? This seems to be a very weird place to put this. But as I thought about it, and maybe if you think about it some more, it, it does fit in the sense of if he's talking about living by, by another world's standards, the fact that we have life in another place. So when he says the eye is the lamp of the body, you know, what you see and take in, if you start living by only what you see, if you start living only by this world and the treasures of this world, everything inside will be full of darkness because of what we just said. Your heart will attach to it, and on and on and on. And so he's saying, if you live by what you see, your eye will not be healthy. But however, if you live by what you don't see, if you live by uh, your life being in Christ otherworldly, if you live by that, you'll have the light of life within you, which is much easier said than done, isn't it? The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, meaning if it is seeing past this world and into where our life really exists in Christ, your eye is healthy. Your whole body will be full of light. I wonder what that looks like. I think it looks like as this world's treasures kind of come and go and and, uh, you have a job and lose a job and you have riches and lose riches, you never had riches, whatever it might be, your your life is full of light because you realize this isn't what it's about. My life really isn't here with all this stuff anyway. And so your life is full of light. But if your eye is bad, if you're only seeing the things here, you'll be full of darkness and you'll reject the next world for this one which is a horrible, horrible thing. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Light comes by living by what you can't see. We, so we, we need Jesus. Give us, give us help every day. 
Give us, give us these new eyes. Let us look through these new eyes to see past the, the present world, the physical world, and into the eternal world. Help us to do that, God, because we get stuck every day by just living by what we see. Fourth, then, we get a new king. Now Jesus just goes for the knockout punch. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This word for money there at the end is, is uh, mammon, and that just means it's kind of a junk drawer term for money, possessions, the whole lot, all, everything, all of it. You can't serve both, money, uh, both God and your stuff, the stuff of this world. You can't do it. It's very non-compromising uh, here. Very black and white, isn't he here, Jesus? We live in two kingdoms. We're here, but we're not here. That sort of already, not yet thing. We kind of live in two kingdoms at the moment. But Jesus says you might exist in two kingdoms, but you can't have two kings. There's only one king. And and it's not like you'll kind of like one and then kind of start to maybe not like the other. No, he says you'll love one, you'll hate the other. You'll be devoted to one, and you'll despise the other. So we say, our stuff isn't, doesn't really have a hold of us or anything. Jesus says, no, it will. It will make you despise the God and creator of the universe. You will love one and you will hate the other. Because both of these gods, both the God of, of stuff and possession and money and the God of the universe, demand everything from you. They demand that nothing be left behind. So you can't serve two gods that are demanding your whole life. There's no way you can do it. Neither will accept half. You know, I I can't help but think of Martin Luther's 95 thesis when he nailed it on on the door of the Wittenberg Chapel, and the first thing on there says, the Christian life is one of continual repentance. And that quickly came to my heart and mind this week as I'm looking through this text. Yes, it is. Because as I look at this, That's the one thing that sticks out to me, repentance. And that's what's a little confusing here. It it has a little bit of the feel of back in chapter 5, because Jesus is saying, you must follow me completely without fail. It's like, ah, man, I can't do that. Like, I want to do that some days, but I can't do that. God, help me. That leads us to this repentance and dependence upon him. So in the midst of of seeing this at the end, I think it calls us not to soften it or not to say, especially to us, most of us who are well-to-do, life is comfy, everything's good. Let's not take this and just do like a yeah, but, you know? Yeah, but it's okay. We're working on it. It's, It's not that big a deal. That's not the way Jesus approaches it. I wish I could say that. I can't say that to you. It's not what he says. He says, you can't serve both God and stuff. It's one or the other. And us being in a place where most of us have money and and have possessions and have things and aren't 
extremely dependent every day. We don't, we don't, most of us wake up in the morning and pray the Lord's Prayer like, Lord, please provide bread for me today. I don't know where it's going to come from. Please provide that for me. Most of us aren't in a season of that. And if it's a season, it's probably a short season of it. But dependence shows the reality. And so here, our dependence upon God to, to help us move away from the love of money and stuff and move towards Him. We're extremely dependent on Him for that. That's not something we can just pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and start doing tomorrow. We def- desperately need His help and His grace and His power to do that. Matthew nineteen twenty three through 24, Jesus spoke of these sorts of things a lot. Listen to this. Jesus said to His disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person... Enter the kingdom of heaven. And I tell you, again I tell you, it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. God help us, us who have resources, I think would fit in that rich category. It's extremely hard for us to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because we get wrapped up in it. It consumes us, it calls us, and our heart gets attached to it. And we need a continual reminder of the reality of our life being in a different place, of our, of our treasure being in a different place, of us Give it, God, help us to see through these new eyes so that we can treasure our Savior, treasure this future kingdom instead of the one here. Again, the pastor, the great preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, says this, It's not only evil doing that dulls the mind, and makes us incapable of thinking clearly. The cares of this world, settling down in life, enjoying your life and our family, any one of these things, our worldly possessions or our comforts, these are equally as dangerous as addiction and drunkenness. Those things we tend towards many of us. And thank God for them. They're good, they're good things. But he's saying those can become everything, and then we're in a real, a real problem there. Those, those can take your whole heart. So a couple things as we end. First of all, money and stuff just quickly becomes an idol. Quickly. You, you can't stop your heart from going there. And, and an idol, meaning what happens is we have to uh, polish it, we have to keep it, we have to grow it, we have to protect it. You know, it's our little idol right here that we're trying to protect. You know, like I said, we just moved into a new house, got it painted, it looked beautiful, and then what happened? Well, carrying something up the, the stairs, one of the children, and you know, marks up the side of the wall. And I said, God, thanks for this reminder that my stuff's not here. Thank you, Jesus. And then I went back to my Bible study, which I do. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't at all. I was wrapped up in it. Like, what, what is it? you can't wait like two days? You know, it's crazy. But this stuff, it quickly, it, it, it quickly calls our heart to it. We quickly attach ourselves to it. Secondly, it just becomes our security as well. And maybe this is, maybe this is one of the, the worst things about money and stuff, that it becomes our security that we think I'm okay because I don't have any problems that I'm provided for. 
and we miss the fact that it's a pointer to something greater that is our desperate need for God. And so because we're provided for with stuff and we have money, we miss the fact of how desperate our souls are for God. And we live a life that is, is just neglectful and blind to that. Those, those are the two things I think that, that I really want you to live with and, and really the thrust of the passage here that Jesus is talking about. So there's only one king. There's only one true king. The one who created the universe, the one who commands the winds and the waves, and they listen in a moment when he speaks. The one who was crucified and died, but death couldn't hold him down. The one who raised in triumphant victory and secured us life in him. A life that's veiled at the moment, but it's coming when he returns. We'll see it then in all of its glory. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we live by faith in the, re- in the fact that that is a coming reality. Lord, help us to live into that. To give, Lord, give us faith to be able to live in that way. Our response today, I think, to this text is repentance. We're a, we're a wavering and wandering group, Christ Community Church, aren't we? And we, we, we love God, and we, we do, and we say we love Him, and we sing praises, and halfway through the week we're wavering over into love of possessions and living for the kingdom here. And so we need repentance, and we need faith. And God is, is gracious and is... Uh, a good father, and promises to deliver that to us. We'll trust him for it together, won't we? Let's pray. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness for a direct disobedience to your commands here, for being weak and feeble and living for this world, for not knowing we have a treasure awaiting us in heaven with you, that you will recreate this place and it will be beautiful and it will be ours. And we we settle for stuff here and we get our energy and time wrapped up in stuff here. And we need your help. We need your forgiveness. We need, like we talked about, we need faith to believe that this is is just a pointer to something greater, that this is just a placeholder for the true life we have in you. Would you help us and would you give us that kind of sight? Would you allow us to see through those eyes and help us to remind one another and be loving and caring and truthful with one another and help one another to remember that our life is located somewhere else, our treasure is located somewhere else. And it's sure and it's secure and we can have great hope in that no matter what that looks like here in the moment. We love you and thank you. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.